Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social and economic renewal in our immediate communities and as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. You may have your seats. Good evening. Praise the Lord. I'm sure you're well. The Lord is keeping all of us well. I'm happy to be here during the Women's Day uh, celebrations again. I was here last year, and last year is the first time I actually spoke at Worship Harvest. Yeah, the last year's women's uh, gathering. And I've not forgotten the things that were shared that day. I actually got in touch with Pastor Mose a week after and I asked him to send me the PowerPoint that he had shared because I just wanted to revise it and revise it. Um, how many of us remember, honey, I'm expecting. <laughs> I, I got that word and I ran with that word and it's actually out of that word that the Unis Culinary Institute was birthed out of that word on that day. I still remember the word B3 shared on newness and God doing a new thing. And still, you know, it's from that word that I got the courage to talk still to Pastor Mose about the Culinary Institute. And we are here six months later and we've been running. So I'm hoping that even today, the things that will be spoken at this pulpit, that there will be people that will pick the word and will run with it. I know that there are people who probably, when I mentioned is when they said, ah, yeah, that is what they shared about last year. They do not even remember. They are thinking, what was that message about, honey? I'm expecting, what is that? And yet I remember. This evening, I want to talk to us still from the the theme of the night strength and dignity, but I have called my sharing when they go home. And to lay a foundation for the teaching, I want us to examine the ministry of Jesus. I've been spending quite some time following Jesus and, you know, just, just following him and just reading the words that he said, the replies that he gave when they asked him about certain things. I want us to go to John chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. One of the strongest people that I know is Jesus. So strong that he confronted the Pharisees, so strong that he said things that anyone in their right mind shouldn't be saying to a group of people. He had so much faith, he had so much belief in himself and in the things that he felt his father had told him. And out of that strength, he said many things and he accomplished many things. Actually, when you read about Jesus and the things he said, you're tempted to actually think he had an inflated opinion of himself. Like he said things and there are times that I read and I say, what was he even thinking? Who says that? Who does that? And yet this is Jesus. Um... I can't read from here, so I'm going to have to read here. So Jesus answered them by saying, I assure you and most solemnly say to you 
the son can do nothing of himself. The choice of words, I assure you. You know, he's talking to Pharisees. He's talking to Sadducees. He's talking to teachers of the law. He's talking to people who have been in the temple for a very long time. And he's assuring them. And he's saying the, the son cannot do anything of himself, of his own accord, unless it is something that he sees the father doing. For whatever things the father does, the son in his turn also does in the same way. The ministry of Jesus was a ministry of watching. Everything that Jesus did, he saw the father do. And I've been asking myself questions like, could it be true that actually Jesus saw the father wash some feet and then he also washed feet? Because he says, he assures us that the only ministry he did is that which he saw the father do. Let's go to the next. For the father dearly loves the son and shows him everything that he himself is doing. And the father will show him greater works than these so that you will be filled with wonder. Jesus is at this point where he's just performed so many miracles and everyone is complaining and everyone is asking, who does he call himself? Why is he doing all these things? And then Jesus says, because the father loves me so much, he's even going to show me more. And then I will do those things and you'll be filled with wonder. Let's read verse 30 of the same chapter. I can do nothing on my own initiative or authority. Just as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just. Because I do not seek my own will, but only the will of him who sent me. He says, I hear, and then I judge. What basis, on what basis does he judge? He judges based on the things that he has seen his father do. Jesus ministered by watching, and he was certain he did nothing on his own. He did exactly what he saw his father do, and he confesses that his father showed him everything. So Jesus could stand in a crowd or in a congregation, and he had the guts to say certain things, or to do things that were not status quo, because he had seen. John chapter 6, verse 5 to 6. Jesus looked up and saw that a large crowd was coming toward him. And he said to Philip, where will we buy bread for these people to eat? That is just before he multiplied bread. Verse 6. But he said this to test Philip. Why? Because he knew what he was about to do. Jesus didn't, it just didn't occur to Jesus that, oh my God, it's time to multiply bread and fish. He already knew what he was going to do. Now, I need to say something before we go ahead. I want us, and this is the biggest issue with us as believers, we think that Jesus at this point is Jesus that is God. But at the point that we are reading these things, Jesus is like me. Jesus is man. And until that sinks right into your heart, you're never going to amount to so much because you think 
Jesus on earth functioned as God. He was man. And so he already knew that there is a boy in the crowd that has the bread. He already knew that there is fish. He already knew that I'm going to break it. He even knew that there would be 12 baskets left. He knew that he would give an instruction for them to collect it. Jesus knew. And so he asked certain questions from a knowing. When you, you know, the Bible says, um, let's go to verse 16, still of chapter 6, verse 15. Then Jesus, knowing that they were going to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. Now, certain, certain, um, certain versions say that when Jesus realized that they were going to come and force him to become king, he withdrew. The only way you will make a realization of something is based on the knowledge that you have. You see, you look at something, you interpret it, and then you say, ah, this is what it means. You've realized. So Jesus is doing all these things because he has a certain knowledge. Knowledge is going to make you strong. Knowledge is going to bring a certain certainty. You're going to be so sure of yourself. You're going to be so sure of your ability because of knowledge. And in there, you're going to act strong. John chapter 6, 26 to 29. Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly swear to, say to you, you have been searching for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Who, who does that? Who tells Pharisees these things? Jesus, you know by this time that they are looking to kill you, and you stand in front of these people and you tell them, I know you're following me because you have, because you're gluttons. The next verse. Do not work for food that perishes, but for food that endures and leads to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, for God the Father has authorized him and put his seal on him. He's telling these guys who say, you're masquerading as the Son of God, and he's telling them these things. He's telling them how God has put a seal. I don't know anyone stronger than Jesus to stand in the midst of deeply religious people and say these things. Let's go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. Then they asked him, what are we to do so that we may habitually be doing the works of God? Jesus answered, this is the work of God that you believe in the one whom he has sent. These are a bunch of people that have already told Jesus that we do not believe that you were sent. And he's telling them, believe in the one who was sent. John chapter 7, 15 to 17. Then the Jews were perplexed. They said, how did this man become land so vast in the scriptures and theology without formal training? How did this man get to this place? Jesus answered them by saying, my teaching is not my own, but his who sent me. These are the same people telling him, he didn't send you. And he's telling them, my teaching is for the one who sent me. If anyone is willing to do his will, 
he will know whether the teaching is of God or whether I speak of my own accord and of my own authority. John chapter 8, verse 34. Jesus answered, I assure you, <laughs> I don't know why he says that all the time. He says, everyone who practices sin habitually is a slave to sin. Now, the slave does not remain in a household forever. The son does remain forever. Continue. So if the son makes you free, then you're unquestionably free. Continue. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Meanwhile, he's saying these things after these people were arguing with him and telling him we are children of Abraham and everything. And he tells them, I know you're Abraham's descendants, yet you plan to kill me because my word has no place in you. Continue. I tell the things that, you see that again? I tell the things that I have seen at my father's side in his very presence. So you also do the things that you heard from your father. So he practically stands in front of these people and he, tell them, he is telling them, you're demons. Are you strong enough to do that? I have a, a friend that at campus, he used not to call people sinners or anything. He used to say those wicked men. And, and I used to cringe. Like, I, I used to tell him, just be nice. And yet Jesus is telling them to their faces. Jesus said some pretty hard things. John chapter 7, verse 37. Now, and this for me was the interesting thing. Before I read this scripture, the background is, before this feast, Jesus' brothers came to him and told him that since you want to show off, why don't you go in a place where people show off? They tell him, no one who has sinister motives keeps hiding. You know, there is going to be a feast. And then Jesus tells them he's not going. And then they go ahead. And then Jesus ends up at this feast. At this feast, the things that are being discussed are things about Jesus. People are in groups and they are arguing. He's a good man. He's not a good man. We will kill him. Don't kill him. He deserves death. No, he doesn't. And then... Here comes Jesus. On the last and most important day of the feast. The most important day of the feast. Jesus stands up and he calls out in a loud voice. He says, if anyone is thirsty, <laughs> let him come to me. <laughs> you are in a bunch of people, among a bunch of people that you, even you yourself calls a brood of vipers. And you stand up on the most important day of the feast and you start announcing to them that come and drink me. These are guys you've told at first that I am the bread of life. And they said, do you think we are cannibals? And then you stand up and you have the guts to say, come and drink. John chapter 8, 51 to 59. I'm not going to read all of it. But during this time, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and to the Pharisees still. And he's talking to them about things he still knows, things that he has heard from the Father. They don't understand, but he tells them. But in John 7, 50 to 53, 
They want to kill him. But Jesus knows something they all don't know. Nicodemus was part of the crowd. And remember, he had come to Jesus at night. So it's only Jesus who knew that among these people that are tormenting me, there is one that is going to help me because I have a relationship with him. So as everyone is making so much noise, because of the knowledge that Jesus has, he's come. And Nicodemus actually shows up and asks them a few questions and everyone goes home based on the questions. I'm trying to lay some foundation for what I want to say. So, Jesus has said all these things. He has told off so many people. He's acting so strong, I don't understand. But there is something that he always did when they went home. When you read John chapter 7 verse 53, and then you read verse eight, chapter 8 verse 1, after they argued, in verse 53 of John 7 it says, they went home. Everyone went to his own house. The argument is done. This meeting is done. The singing is out. We all go to our own houses. But chapter 8 verse 1 says, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Actually, it says Jesus withdrew to the mountainside. What are you going to do today after we've gone home? What do you do when the lights are out? What do you do? Just think about it. What will you do when we've gone home? If you're a leader, what do you do when you're no longer standing in front of us to tell us what to do? What do you do during those seasons when as a wife, the demands of your husband overwhelm you? What do you do? What do you do when we've shut down social media and everything is quiet? What do you do? There are some that go home and there are some that withdraw to the mountainside. And that is what I want to talk about today. James chapter 1, verse 25. James 1, 25. He who looks carefully into the perfect law the law of liberty and faithfully abides by it, not having become a careless listener who forgets but an active doer who obeys, he will be blessed and favored by God in what he does. Other versions say, he who intently looks into the perfect law, never giving up. We all know the story of David in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 34 to 37. David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, 
I went out after it and attacked it and rescued the lamb from its mouth. And when it rose up against me, I seized it by its whiskers and struck it and killed it. They used not to attack during day. They came in the night. The army had gone to sleep. They had gone home. Even the day that David visited, the day that David went to the place where, you know, the father said, for me that is actually the funniest scripture in the Bible. It's like the most stupid script, you know, the most stupid thing a parent can say. You know, he told David, you take some bread to your brothers that they are fighting. Were those guys fighting? The Bible says they used to wake up and they would take their positions and Goliath would just come and say, whoa, and they would go back. But while they were going back home, there was a man that was always fighting. There was a man that was always fighting. There was a man that was always fighting. He wasn't taking the position in the army. Are we together? But he was always fighting. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he's atoned and defied the armies of the living God. David had taken the time to see who he was and he knew how the enemies of God looked like. He waited on God as he fought and therein came strength. He had looked intently into the perfect law to understand that he was an Israelite and there was someone called a Philistine and that person is uncircumcised. People, David did not open Goliath's pants to see that he's uncircumcised. Yes. Knowledge. Are we together? So you'll ask me, all these people that used to come and take position and run back, didn't they know that they are dealing with the uncircumcised? But there was someone that looked intently into the perfect law. Never giving up and not being a careless listener. If there is anything you're going to teach yourself and teach your children, it is not to be a careless listener. When we are teaching communication, we say that sometimes you hear and all you hear is noise. You have to develop the art of picking out the truth. So David stands in front of Goliath and he sees who he is and he sees who Goliath is. Meanwhile, the king cannot see it. And yet the way kings were chosen in Israel, they were supposed, they were shepherds. So the king should have been the very first person to see. You as a mother should be the very first person to see. You should be the first person, you the nurturer, to understand the things of God in that home. But what do you do when they go home? When the house is quiet, is that a beautiful time to watch a movie? When the lights are out, 
Is that a beautiful time for a self, you know, for a pity party? Everyone in this home exploits me. They just use me. Check now these dishes. They've now finished to eat and they've just left all of them here. After cooking for them, then now I have to wash up. When they go home, where do you go? Where do you withdraw to, woman of God? What are you looking into and how intently are you looking into it? These are things that you need to ask yourself. You know, David himself says in the Psalms that he used to admire the wicked. He used to think that they never have trouble. He says, I used to think they never have trouble. And then he says, then I went to the house of the Lord. And then I considered that their way is destruction. He looked into the perfect law and he realized that he was groaning over useless things. I want to get into the scripture for that day. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13. The scripture that we know, that we have known all our lives, that we have memorized, I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. One of the things that I do, I read a scripture in Job that talks about dreams and visions and how when sleep falls onto the sons of men, God reveals mysteries. That's why I like to be up in the night for long periods because as sleep falls onto the sons and the daughters of men, I can do a lot of meditation. And in the depth of the night, God can reveal many things. So sometime in my marriage, I saw this scripture. I had said it for a long time. I had memorized it. I knew it by heart. I know many songs from this word. But then one day I sat and I looked at it intently. And I saw this. I can do all things which he has called me to do. I can do all things which he has called me to do. What has he called you to do? To bring up women and men after his own heart in that house. To stand besides that man. To take care of your parents in their old age. To teach the word of God. To stand in the corporate space and shine for Jesus. To drive in that traffic every morning, side by side with mad men. Because he has called you to take your children to school every day. So you never wake up and you say, I can't manage these Kampala roads. And then in fellowship you say, I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. So he says, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. Now these are the words I want us to take home with us. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. Are we together? I am self-sufficient. 
Meaning I need you, but even if you didn't come, Are we together? I need you to pray with me, okay? Because I'm weak right now. But even if you didn't come, I'm self-sufficient. In Christ's sufficiency. And then it says, and this is what I want us to think about this evening. I'm ready for anything and I am equal to anything through him who infuses inner strength within me. I'm equal to every task. I'm equal. Like, like if they put here a task huh? and they put Eunice here, I'm equal to every task that shows up. Because of the inner strength that Christ infuses in me. There's a time I woke up one morning in my business and I needed 50 million shillings. And a part of me said it's impossible. And that part of me convinced me that it is impossible. Like probably someone that is seated here or someone that is watching that actually believes that your business is too small to attract that amount. But you are equal to 50 million shillings right now through Christ who infuses inner strength in you. Now, when you don't look intently at this word, you'll misunderstand it. You will think it means that you've limited yourself when you say you're equal to 50 million shillings. No. As the situation comes, I am equal. David stood like, David is this short, this little like this. Goliath is this big. And David stands up and says, I'm equal to you. Zabike me Peter. Are we together? That is the meaning of that word. So women of God, whatever task that you have, whichever type of child that you have been given, whichever way your child is doing in school, you are equal to that task. You are equal. You are equal. I tell my children, they don't understand Luganda. They just look at me they're like, what is she saying? But I'm equal to that task. Because Christ infuses inner, the strength is inner. That is why the Bible says that the battle is not to the swift, neither does bread come to the strong. And I'm equal to that task, not because I have a PhD in engineering. No, Christ in me, the hope of glory, infuses inner strength in me. So I had this season in my life where my husband's sexual needs were just too, I, could, I felt I could not handle. And then I said, but I'm equal. I'm equal to this task. I can. When the medical people have gone home, eh? when the doctor Natchez have gone home, eh? who tell me that as I approach my 40s, my libido will go low. When they go home, eh? high, low, whatever, when they go home, I sit and I look intently into the perfect word of God. And then I say, I am equal to this task. Let me tell you, children of God, eh? when, when you nourish, because intimacy is nourishing someone. I have gone into God, and I have known that when I'm intimate with God, he refreshes me. It is called times of refreshing. So when you give your body to someone, you are refreshing them. So 
So it means that if you give your body to them once a week, you're undernourishing them. Yes. Now, when social media that tells you it is impossible has shut down, when the women with those funny tales, when those gossips have shut down, you need to get into the perfect law and tell yourself, I am equal to this task. I can cook the food and I can serve it and I can serve every manner of food because Christ gives me the inner strength. I am all sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So when a need of finances shows up in my life, I will say those words I don't know how many times a day. I woke up last week one day and I needed 10 million shillings and the whole day I just kept on saying I'm equal to 10 million shillings. So I call that 10 million shillings right now because my past can handle 10 million shillings. I see 10 million shillings in my past right now because I'm equal to the task of using it and handling it. Because Christ infuses inner strength within me. Let me tell you, we are going to do marriage by the word. We are going to raise children by the word. We are going to grow in God by the word. We are going to grow in our giftings by the word. But we at the same time. And we will do all those things at the same time. I'm equal to anything. Anything. So what is your anything right now? uncircumcised Philistine that is standing before the armies of the living God. You stood here and you sang this evening. You said, you are for me not against me. I am who, who you say I am. I'm a child of God. And then you even said, yes, I am. And the Bible says that you are all sufficient in his sufficiency as a child of God. And when they call you for that small task in your organization, you say, I can't. Hmm? And when they call you to do something here on the pulpit, you say, I'm fearing. Hmm? And when you look at your child, your child, you're already 40. And your child is asking simple questions. I say, but now that child can ask, what are you talking about? What have they seen that you've not seen? the questions. I don't care if what they are studying now, I did not study it. I, I see heavenly news. from heaven. When the children of God go to sleep, I switch on the heavenly television and I see something that is of worth. And then when they wake up in the morning, I'm equal to it. I told a young lady I mentor. She's probably watching. She was going to do a task this week and there was a very high level of witchcraft and she was fearing. She was going in a foreign country and I told her, God has given me a word that I'm sharing on Friday. I told her, let me share with you that word. I told her, you are equal to that witchcraft. But you see, when you understand God, then you also understand that again after saying you're equal, he says you are more than. <laughs> That is why you stand before it and you push it down and you say, but you touch it, Dako. 
Gorilla Moses style. You understand? Yeah. So children of God, how much strength have you allowed God to infuse on the inside of you? Because the only way you are going to stand tall and say you are equal to these things is if there is strength. But the Bible says that if the strength inside you is weakness, how weak are you? So when they go home, where do you go? When the fox says lie low, where do you lie? You see, David said, I found a secret place where I seek God's face. He said he carries me over mountain tops. He takes me through the valley's low. And he said, you know, one of the writers in Lamentation says, he makes my feet like hind's feet. And David said, he makes me scale over walls. Let me tell you, <laughs> until you understand that God means business, he won't work mightily in your life. These are some of the things you're listening to. It is impossible to be a Proverbs 31 woman. There is no one who can be like that. Well, you're looking at one. I don't know about you. I don't know about you. The Bible says, That is the, the way they say that thing in Luganda. Actually, Luganda makes it look like it is finished. Like, I did it. So I received that 15 million shillings already. So can we move on to bigger things, like winning souls? So I want us to think about those areas where you think you're not sufficient. Those areas where you think I don't have the strength. Those areas where you think I don't measure up to the task. Those areas where you think it has to take fasting for 40 days for you to get it. I want us to think about those things. Think about the responsibilities you have. Think about the tasks that you have to accomplish today and tomorrow. Think about them. And look at that word. For you to realize you're equal to things is to realize you're deeply strong. I don't know if you've been through an examination where you did your work by yourself and then there is this group of professors dissing your work. Why do you think they do that? It's because they think you, they are equal to you or even bigger, yet you're the one who studied the things. And I remember during many of those seasons, I would look at these people and what's going on in my mind is, where do guys get the guts to talk to me like that when I went to the field? You know, I wouldn't say, but I would be thinking about it. But it's because they think they have read more, they think they have accomplished more, they think they have seen better days, they think they wrote the theorems, and so they think they are equal to you. Now, it is the same thing in the journey of life. You must have experienced bigger in the secret place for you to stand tall and say, I'm equal to this situation. You should have seen God in that situation in a deeper way for you to stand and say, 
I can manage this. I got married with the attitude that I can handle this. And I, I got married with the attitude that I can be one woman for one man. I got married with the understanding that it is possible to love to the end. I got married with the understanding that there is actually deep love and there is, you can have a soulmate. Now some of you are thinking, what? <laughs> because when we go to sleep, you've been somewhere. When you've seen Jesus in a certain way, you can react a certain way. Because that is the strength he infuses on the inside of you. I remember a time my husband told me, he said, you see this scripture that says wives uh, submit to your husbands, you know, as, um, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. He said, he said, Eunice, that scripture actually means husbands die. And, 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 and I started to actually realize that his, my husband is on a constant death row. Like, he's always dying. The inner strength that he has is the understanding of that word. Now, I asked you that is, could it be that Jesus saw God washing feet? And so even him, he washed feet. I asked that. And from the scriptures we read, it is possible he saw. Okay? Now, if you haven't seen God do acts of humility, you're not going to submit. You've seen your mother. You've seen your auntie. You've seen your uncle. You've seen how everyone... You've even seen your pastor's wife and everybody... Yes, they are not God. But when you get into a place where you see God, and you see him do these things for us all the time, then you actually do it for your husband. And even when you do it and you're cringing, you will keep saying, I'm equal to this. I can manage it. So we struggle with submission. We struggle with equality, equity, whatever it is. We struggle with all those things even in the body of Christ because there is no inner strength. As we come to a close, I want to ask you people, make a decision to do all your tasks as unto God. Make a decision to do what God would do. And if you don't know what God would do, watch heaven. Are we together? Watch heaven. There is no single time you come in the presence of God and say, Father, I need you. And he says, I won't come. So when your husband says, I need you, and you say, Nakoye koyeda, 
you've not seen God. God gave Jesus opportunity and time to come and, and be with him anytime. Are we together? And the, in the scriptures, we see that Jesus spent whole nights with the Father. How long have you, how much time have you spent with your children this week? You who sees heaven. How much time have you spent with them? How much time have you allowed to speak into? You know, the scriptures actually say, my father shows me. How much have you showed your children to do? And maybe as I'm speaking, you're saying, I am helpless. You know, I have a lot of work. You know, then we go back. You're equal to that task. When you realize you're equal to that task, you ask heaven and heaven will give you strategies. does there is no single time we come in the presence of God and he says go away I'm tired <laughs> but when you walked into home yesterday you banged that door said ngoye you're shouting for me when you were shouting for God you're like a tractor like the whole night, yeah, 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 yeah. What is menya bichi? If actually God wants you to, to do all those things and he has called you, you, we say that you do the things he has done what? Called you to do. Are we together? So he ha if he has called you to do all those things, you're equal to all those tasks. So if you're not equal to those tasks, maybe you need to consider that God didn't call you to do them. So I want us to get our notebooks and I want us to write down those things that we need to speak to, that we need to start to see eye to eye. What are those things that are not yet at eye level, that are so far below? or that look like they are so far above that you need to make a confession of this evening. Let's write those. What is that thing? What's that anything that you need to see that you're equal to? What is that thing that you need to hear God about? What is that thing that you need to go to the secret place about? What is that thing that you've not actually thought you're equal to, that 
You you know you have resigned yourself. I want us to rise up. And I want us to start to make confessions over those things. I want us to start to say, I'm equal to this. Stand before that Philistine and say, God has infused inner strength within me and I'm all sufficient for this situation. You're equal to that capital child of God. You're equal to that child. And like I said, I hope you understand that it doesn't mean you put yourself at that level. It says anything, meaning at whatever way in whichever form it comes up, you're equal to it. Begin to lift up your voice and just begin to speak to those mountains. Begin to speak like one who has got a revelation of what God says about you. If there are balls that you have let to fall on the ground because you felt like it is impossible to juggle all this, pick them up this evening. Pick them up. Pick them up and say, I'm equal to this. I can do this. I have enough strength on the inside of me. I'm equal to this need. I'm equal to this situation. I'm equal to this platform. Until you begin to see yourself as equal to this, you're never going to go beyond that stage. I had to see myself on the platforms that God wanted to put me. For a long time, I despised myself and I thought I can't do it. No one will be able to receive me. <laughs> and for so many times, I would even go to places where I give so much and I would not even charge anything. And yet this week alone, I've been to so many places and I've given them my rate per hour and those that could not afford, I said, then you can't afford me. Because I reached a point and I realized I'm equal to this. And therefore, I also know how much to charge. Because I'm equal to this platform and I'm equal to this amount of money. And in a single day like today, I've seen three million shillings come in. Because I raised my head above the waters. And I confronted Goliath and I said, I'm equal to you. Lord, we thank you. Because you're the one that infuses inner strength within us. I pray for every woman that is in this place. You have called us to nurture. You have called us to, to, to raise. You've called us to rebuild. You've called us to refresh. You've called us to worship. You've called us to encourage. You've called us to a ministry of reconciliation.
You've called us to stand in the marketplace. You've called us to wisdom, my God. Alter our habits when they go home, when they go to sleep. Turn our eyes from looking at worthless things and revive us in your purposes, Lord. We confess this evening that we are equal to the task of raising those children. We are equal to the task of refreshing our husbands. We are equal to the task of walking alongside those men. We are equal to the task of giving of ourselves. We are equal to the task of the businesses that you have put in our stead. We are equal to the task of raising capital, human, monetary, in every way. We are equal to the pulpits where you have put us. We are equal to speaking a word in season. We are equal to every task that you have put in our lives because you infuse inner strength within us. Father, we thank you because we get out of this place today on higher ground. It's not level anymore. It's a higher ground. And we speak to every force of evil, every power of darkness, right now, in the name of Jesus, every form of fear that has crippled us, we speak to you right now to be cast into the sea of forgetfulness in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want to confirm that word that Sarah gave. That one of you is despising the things that God has put on the inside of you. You're equal. You are. You can do those things through Christ who infuses inner strength within you. But I also want to give you a challenge. I want to ask you women of God, take more time with God. Allow him to infuse inner strength within you. That is how you are going to win. God bless you. That was awesome. Let's keep standing and welcome the father of the house. You're welcome. Let's appreciate Pastor Ari. You may have your seats, ladies. Wow, what an evening. What an evening. Why don't we do this like every week? Oh my gosh. Greetings to the men who are in Kamoli watching online. I was one of them for the duration of the, for much of the evening. Thanks so much for being here. I really want to celebrate uh, my one and only wife, Ari. 
she has put this whole thing together. Oh my goodness, you're good. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Eunice, for the word that you brought this evening. Wasn't that awesome? Yeah. When they go home, where do you go? That's what makes you equal to the task. Wow. Thank you. I, I was super inspired by that word. And here I am. I guess my role is to close. So thanks so much. And thank you, uh, Sanya. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. And price, love. That Adungu sounds exactly like it is supposed to. Huh? <laughs> and Hanam Goni, what a powerful testimony. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Usually when you are dumbstruck and you don't know how to start, you start sending greetings. I was even searching the internet right now for some jokes, none that are appropriate for a women's event came through. <laughs> then I put on a tie so I'm sweating. So I was told, I'm equal to the task. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I was thinking, what, what, what am I going to share? What am I going to share? And then, the more I thought about it, the more it felt like I was going to repeat last year's message. <laughs> yeah, thank Dr. Ennis, that was so kind, what you said about last year and the things that have come out in your own life. And really, I, I, I was home this whole evening thinking, what, what is this, what's going on? In fact, I didn't have my laptop, so I couldn't search to see the exact scriptures I used in those slides. So, if they come out to be the same, bless you. But let's, let's start somewhere. What does a typical, not typical, let's say normal anointed, but still usual typical Kampala girl want? Yeah, like when they are praying, when they are talking, when they are thinking, dreaming, what is it that, what, 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 what? Give me some options. A man, right? Thank God it's a man, not men. A man, uh-huh. Which kind of man are we talking about? Money, a moneyed man, huh? The other day we had discussed six pack. My friend, six pack is not a sustainable vision because there can be a merger. <laughs> Some people have experienced a merger, others are having a hostile takeover. It's like there used to be six, but you know, all the companies have amalgamated into one, and then another company came from outside and added itself. So now what we have. I was telling some gentleman, gentleman the other day that uh, the qualification for falling in love as a man is income. 
<laughs> Men who don't have income should not fall in love because uh, falling in love results into children who need food and they have to be fed. Anyway, uh-huh. A ride, so a man, we didn't conclude on that kind of man, but anyway, the man has money, uh, he's, uh, yeah, and a ride, what kind of ride? German, all right, I get it. What else? A house, a real house with a door. What else do we usually? Holidays. How about children? If you have a man, that is. We've had only one virgin birth and uh, we're not about to have another one. Children, right? Do people pray for children? Do you know anyone who ever prayed for children? The Bible is full of people who prayed for children. So people pray for children. People pray for a man, a godly man who's tall, dark, handsome, and rich. People pray for promotion. Anyone prayed for promotion before? Like, Lord, I need to change offices. Has that happened to you? Yeah, what else do people pray for? A God-fearing what? Husband. I thought we finished that part. God-fearing household. Oh, the God-fearing man, husband, comes several times on the list. Hey, this is serious. What else? So, anyway, you, you get the idea, right? I'm sure you get the idea. I'm sure if you're no more and you have a heart that beats and there's a spleen in there and a liver and other organs, you've prayed for these things. Right? And there's actually no problem praying for these things. The Bible is full of people who prayed for these things. You get the idea. Can I ask another question? That was the first question. Who are some of the most inspiring women that come to your mind in history? History, history, history. More of modern history, 1500 forts. Margaret Thatcher, uh huh. Shout out, I will amplify the name. Mother Teresa, uh huh. All right, I've had Margaret Thatcher, Mother Teresa. I need to hear a little bit more. Maya Angelou, uh huh. What? I'm talking about inspiring, not entertaining. Inspiring. All right, let me try this table here. Uh huh. Annie? Banangi. Catherine Kuhlman. All right. Oluzungu. Okay, Kathleen Kuhlman. Kathleen. Joyce Meyer, uh-huh. Most inspiring women in history. How about 
Joan of Arc. I hope you're reading up those kind of people. Florence who? Who's the lady who changed nothing? Nightingale, Florence, uh-huh. Others? I have some here on my list. Harriet Tubman. And others, and others. Queen Elizabeth. Catherine the Great was the empress of Russia for the longest empress that Russia ever had is a woman. Did you know that? Amen, women. Are we still together? Are you tracking? All right. Uh, so let's just take that top list you've given me. What is the relationship between all the things we pray for and that list that you've just given me? Where is the intersection? Who remembers their men? Who remembers their rights? Who remembers their promotions? You have understood already? People are trying to stop me when I'm just starting. I'm also going to be like Dr. Eunice. I'm laying a foundation here. When you think about yourself alongside those names that we just put out there, which of the things that have been major prayer items in your life correspond with those names. But okay. We are here to have a conversation. Me, I, I've also just invited, I know this is a women's event and somehow I, I was fluked in, so I'm behaving myself. I'm asking very simple questions that can hopefully lead to some sort of conversation. Wanji? Other snacks, okay. <laughs> As I was preparing this evening, I came across a very inspiring scripture. <laughs> I want us to read it together. It's actually long, but interesting. But all scripture is God breathed. All right? So, first, give me First Chronicles chapter 1. Let's see how quickly we can do this. Uh -huh, together, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kalnan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, Methsela, Lamech. Uh -huh. Keep going. <laughs> so you start asking, where are they going with this? Where are we? Have we already quit? Next. <laughs> so they reached the begat part. Verse 10. Uh-huh. 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 Uh 
So that whole thing continues. For a long time. Up to verse 54. So, let's try chapter 2 maybe. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, let's stop. So, you find that whole portions of scripture are dedicated to getting through the lineage quickly so they can get to the significant names where they can tell the stories. So and so begat so and so. Who begat so and so? So and so begat so and so. Why? They are trying to get to David, but they will need to explain that David came from somewhere. Women, are we here? There are things you've been praying for and a hundred years from now it will not matter at all. Not one single bit. I'm not saying don't pray for those things because the Father's <laughs> pleasure is to give you a life that you enjoy here on earth. But I'm just saying. So what is it that differentiates just begetting, beget, they get through the line quickly to what deficits that from oh okay now here is someone who seems to have carved out some space in the historical records you know like that one they said he began to be mighty on the earth in, the, in that whole chaos is where there was a, a year somewhere I think when, at university when someone made sort of had a revelation about a guy called who Jabez remember the, the story of Jabez they wrote so many books out of Jabez. There were conferences about Jabez. Jabez was the rage. Just because through the begats, this Jabez guy was like, I can make something out of my life. So he has two verses in there. And somehow landed on that and it was a major revelation in the body of Christ. All right. Luke chapter 1 verse 45 you know the story of Luke chapter 1 I, that's why I was a bit concerned that I think I might be repeating the same scriptures Luke chapter 1 the angel comes and starts speaking to Mary and they have a conversation and in verse 38 if you first give us verse 38 and Mary said behold the maid servant of the Lord let it be to me according to what? Okay. Now we have reached the word. So I need you to be in it. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Many people got pregnant in that season. Mary was just one of them. You don't know the rest. Because while the other people were conceiving and bathing natural things. <laughs> Mary was conceiving and bathing the word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word, John chapter 1. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. So three more things were made and without him was nothing made that was made. In him was the life and the life was the light 
of men. And then what happened to the word? The word became flesh. Where? Where? Inside Mary's womb. Tell your neighbor. <laughs> I manifest God's word. The word becomes flesh in me. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But God needed someone to receive it and manifest it. And that happened to be Mary. That's why he says, let it be to me according to your word. According to your word. According to your word. So then, Mary's pregnancy, when Mary goes to Bethlehem in hospital, whatever you call it, it wasn't in, what was it? It was uh, Menza. Uh, Bethlehem Menza. Baitayu uh, Batia, uh, where people give birth from Jesus. It's been a long time. Leba word. Bethlehem Menja Leba word. She's not just going to produce another kid. She's going to produce the manifestation of the word of God. Do you understand? Now, I want you to quickly raise the plane of this argument from having children to having things that are as a result of the word of God because all those people that you looked at in history that you can remember, whose names you remember and you don't even consider whether they are dead or alive, it's not because of the children they had. You don't remember their children. You don't know my Angelo's children. You don't know Rosa Parks' children. What you know is what they manifested as a result of the word of God because the word of God is eternal. And the things that the word of God produces don't die. Are there women in here who are ready to bath some supernatural stuff? The things that the word of God produces don't what? Don't die. They are eternal. Their impact is eternal. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Okay. I, I had hoped to inspire you, but it looks like you're doing deep thinking. You okay? You see, Mary just didn't have another kid. Hannah didn't have another kid. <laughs> ah. You know, everyone was having children. Hannah's co-wife was having children. What was her name? Penina. She was having... Hannah was sorrowful of, of soul. She went to the temple and was in prayer. Deep prayer, only her lips were moving. And when the priest Eli said, let, let it be to you, as you have desired, according to the word of God. When Hannah went home and had a child, the child wasn't a natural, normal child. His name was Samuel. He wasn't just another child. 
Because Samuel wasn't just a result of, of, of intimacy between Elkanah and Hannah. No, 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 no. Elkanah and Hannah had a fan and Samuel came forth. But Samuel, there was more to Samuel than physical intimacy between a man and woman because before he was conceived, he had been conceived. <laughs> Women, are you here? Uh, my hope tonight is that people will get out of here and go conceive something significant. If you have a husband, that's all right. If you don't have, that's all right. You don't need a husband to conceive the kind of things I'm talking about. If you have children, that's all right. If you don't, that's all right. For you don't need children to conceive the kind of things I'm talking about. If you get a promotion, that's all right. If you don't, that's all right. Because the things I'm talking about are beyond promotions, children, husbands, and all the things we pray for. Because all the things we pray for, it's just a matter of time and everyone forgets. But you can conceive some stuff after here when they go home. If you go to the right place, you can conceive some stuff which 500 years hence, if the Lord tarries, people will still be talking about it. It will still be bearing fruit. There is grace to conceive those things tonight. There is grace. There is grace to conceive greatness. Do not squander it. Don't squander it. Many of you were at the conference at the event last year. A whole institute came out of it. What did you do with it? You squandered it. Daughter, you squandered it. Don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. Don't squander the opportunity. Don't squander the opportunity. The Bible says, huh? where am I not now? Come on, not. I'm going to get. First huh? Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. Look, 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 look. Now the Lord, now the boy, Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. Look at what it says next. And the word of the Lord was rare. In those days, there was no widespread revelation. The word of God was rare. We were meeting a great pastor with our team and a few other pastors this past week. And they were talking about their journey of ministry and the journey that that ministry has taken. And he said that and he was retelling the times God spoke to him clearly and the radical shifts that happened as a result of that word. And he says, he marvels nowadays when people come and say, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. Every two weeks, 
people get a word from God. He says in his experience, he gets one like about every 10 years. But that one every 10 years, multitudes have come to know Jesus. Children have been rescued. Communities are being built. One, when God speaks clearly, once every 10 years. And people keep coming, God spoke to me, God spoke to me. I'm like, really? God spoke to Mary once and we have a, a whole revolution came out of it. For you, keep speaking to you that frequently and we don't see anything. spoke to me. God spoke to me. My friends, these leaders who are close to me, they know that if you want me to stop listening to you, come and tell me God told me. I immediately shut you off because I know you're being flippant. You're being unserious. You think that God's word is that. People usually use it when they don't want to take responsibility for what they're about to say. God told me. So that if it turns out fake and whatever, they say, it's God who told me. Just say what you, God told you, say it. Don't say God told me. Say, I'm going to buy that plot. Not God told us to buy that plot. Who cares? That was his word to you, not to us. So if he told you, then buy it. I'm preaching better than you're listening. <laughs> so God has been speaking to you? Really? Do you know what happens when God speaks to people? A whole nation was removed from Egypt. One encounter. Moses, go. A whole nation. One word. Egypt to the promised land. God speaks to Samuel <laughs> and everything changes. God speaks to Mary. Jesus is manifested. God speaks to Elizabeth. John comes forth. God speaks to, I don't know. God speaks to Solomon and he made gold like stones in Jerusalem. And we go around and say, God spoke to me. God spoke to me. God spoke to me. You? Yeah, of course. He still speaks, but what? 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 I, are you getting this prophetic people especially? Do you understand what I'm talking about? Let's stop being my friend. Then some, some other people, this one I, I will repeat, I tell it. People will say, the Lord has spoken to me. They are lying. When God speaks to you, you run. You're scared. You're like, not me, not I. Who, leave me alone, God. Me, I am I'm a stammerer. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too black. I'm too white. I'm too short. I'm too fat. Lord, not me. Everyone that God spoke to, run! Because trying to get the divine mind to be accommodated by finite humanity, is too much. 
it's like you, the dreams you have for your whole family. How, what you want to do, the, the land you want to buy, the houses you want to build, how you want your children to go to Harvard, etc. And then you get down and you get one of those little insects that are in your, 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 your kitchen that are looking for sugar. And you say, now, you aunt, I am going to reveal to you my family's plans. That's what happens when God speaks to you. The insect is like, what? <coughs> I came for sugar. <laughs> now you're trying to reveal the insect plans of 30 years to come. It only lives for two days. And it's trying to perceive the things you're saying. That, friends, is what happens when God who has been around from the beginning and has no end, starts trying to speak to a woman from Kampala who thinks not so much of herself and he brings his word and says that you, you Eunice, you, I have great plans for you. I'm like, is that you, Lord? Is that you, Lord? Oh, when God speaks speaks to you you're done you're done they find you, those who knew you this is how I know God spoke to you you are completely different all your friends are like we don't know what happened to her <laughs> you see what happened to what was John's father Zacharias when he went inside and an angel, this is even an angel not the Lord himself he came up I don't know how he convinced his wife that it was time to try again. Signs like God. Guys, guys ladies, ladies. When God speaks to a woman, and starts bathing through her things that are beyond ah, yeah, 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 yeah. anything that has ever been seen before. Can I tell you, heaven still has some things that have never been seen before on earth. Yeah, they are there. Heaven still has inventions that can boggle the mind. Everything you read about in the Bible that is spiritual is, is possible in the physical, including teleportation. I'm telling you, one day we'll be teleporting. And the people who will be teleporting then will be wondering, really, those guys used to move in cars? Like it took them that long to go to London? They needed, there were boundaries, there were borders, they needed visas. What is a visa? Mm. I ask you, what's a cassette? Cassette? What's a cassette? <laughs> Amen. Now let me get to the verse actually I'm supposed to minister out of tonight. 
We are still in Luke 1. Luke 1, verse 45. 45. Can you give me King James Version? King James Version. Together. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things that were told her from the Lord. When they go home, <laughs> you see, faith is not passive. Yeah. You don't just come in here, sit, have a snack, listen, go home. Like, that was a good one. That was a good one. You've lost it. <laughs> Believing is more than hearing. It's not just hearing. Jesus said, the foolish guy is one who heard the word and was excited about it and didn't do anything about it. So he built on sand. But those who build on the rock, they hear the word and they go do something about it. She believed there is a culinary institute. She has capacity to keep producing something great every year because the, the, the meat, the word, it, it's for those who through what? By reason of use. You don't grow in revelation by reason of listening. You don't grow in the word by reason, by reason of listen. You grow by reason of use. You qualify for more revelation when you use the word you have with this current revelation to produce something. Mm. Mm. That's why it says, don't be. be. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Because once you become a hearer, you start deceiving yourself that you know when you actually don't. Because the word of God is not in English. The language of the word is not English. It's not even Hebrew Greek. Hebrew Greek will help you understand it better. But God is not Hebrew. God is not Greek. God is not English. So when God speaks, what language does he speak? The language of the word is the language of the spirit. And when you understand it, you start manifesting things the way God can manifest them. A friend of ours used to say, if you knew the word of God the way God knows it, and you use it the way he uses it, you can create another universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because in the beginning, what? The word? The word was with God. The word was God. Through him all things were made. Duh. And he says, and the word came and dwelt among us. And then he says, of his fullness, who? The word, we all have received and grace for grace. In other words, you already have it. How much of it are you using? Because once you start operating on that plane, it ceases to matter whether you're married or not. Whether you have children or not. Whether you got a promotion or not. Whether you have a right or not. Because now... 
you're starting to birth things that are going to be significant 200 years from now, 300 years from now. Things people... Do you know when you birth something that is so good that generations later, so many people are running businesses off that one thing? Whoever came up with the internet, how many businesses are surviving because of the internet? How many billions, trillions of dollars have been made because of the internet? But do you think the internet came from the devil? No. It was always in God's mind and he's like, when are they going to discover this? And it's a bit unfortunate that God has resorted to giving those things to non-believers. Because his children are on the shallow end of the pool, flipping around and just splashing water and trying to look spiritual. I want you to think about it. I want you to really think about it. One idea from you, and years later, hundreds of millions of people are all making money out of your idea without your permission because it wasn't yours in the first place. What are you conceiving? What are you going to birth? That's the major question tonight. But he says, blessed are those who, blessed is she who believed. Believed. For there shall be a performance of the things that were told her from the Lord. Why? She believed. She believed what? The word. The word. Now he says, First Peter 123. Give me First Peter 123. It correlates with this. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> he says what together, huh? Having been what? Born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. How did you go from darkness to light? The word of God. You are born again of incorruptible seed. But Christ was born of incorruptible seed. You were born again of incorruptible seed. Do you see the relationship? Ah, this table here says the relationship. Are there people back there? Christ was born, not born again. He was born of incorruptible seed. The word of God came to Mary and Christ was conceived. For you, you were born a sinner and then you had the word of God and you walked forward or whatever method you used and then you were born again of the same incorruptible seed. And he says that it's the word of God it's the word of God which lives and abides Forever. In other words, that which is born of God is eternal. It's eternal. People come and go. Nations come and go. It's eternal. It just keeps going. <laughs> Amen. Generations come and go. It keeps going. Those are the things that this generation in this room, those are the things we need to conceive and produce. 
And blessed is she who believed, for there shall be a performance. New King James says, there shall be a fulfillment. I like fulfillment, but I like performance better. <laughs> because you get a sense of action. <laughs> mm, is, you know, when you hear the word performance, do you just see someone lying down and whatever? No, 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 no. You're seeing activity. There is activity in the spirit once the word of God comes. And if you believe it, now, in the days of Samuel, the word of God was scarce. In our days, the word of God is not scarce. It's abundant, but we are having way too many. How do I put it? This doesn't sound right, right here. There is waste of the word. There is wastage. We are being like those children of Judah who kept whatever in the, the, the wives and God killed them. Too much wastage. You hear Sunday after Sunday. Fellowship. Now some people, garage, business garage, main garage, it's MC, those who are in worship service, then others, the other fellowship, then the other fellowship, then the other prayer meeting, then the other prayer meeting. Word, word, word. Where is the performance? Where is the performance? I dare you not to come back here in a year's time for another event like this, having produced absolutely nothing. That's not fair. That's not fair to God. It's not even fair to yourself. It's not even fair to your children and their children and their children. It's not fair to our nation that the word can be this abundant. And in the days of Samuel, it was scarce. And Samuel emerged with that scarcity of word and see what that man did in that nation. I can hear the sound of a new generation. Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.